I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. Uh, this episode, along with every episode this season, is presented by our sponsor, KFC. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors 119-109 loss to the Houston Rockets at home and... Um, Honestly, this is a very fascinating game. It was a frustrating game to watch, especially as a Raptor fan. Um, the Raptors kind of played from behind all game and, um, you know, did not make enough plays, especially in crunch time. But um, this was a fascinating game to watch, though, however, because it was kind of a chess match. Like, the entire game, um, you know, Nick Nurse kind of came into this game with a very, very bold defensive strategy. Uh, and, you know, you can't really praise Nick Nurse for having bold defensive strategies and winning. Uh, and then all of a sudden tear him down for, uh, you know, playing super aggressive, um, you know, against a team like Houston, which basically Nick Nurse came into this game with the idea that James Harden is not even just he's not going to score. Like, he's not even going to have a chance. You know, like, I'm not stupid. I'm not even going to get the chance. Like, it was one of those situations where um, from the very start of the game to even the very end, you know, it's 119-109, the, the Rockets have the ball, they're dribbling it out. And even then, there are three guys on James Harden where Marcus Gasol, Norm Powell, and I think Fred VanVleet were all in the vicinity and just to make sure Harden would uh, just dribble out the clock and then, you know, shake hands or whatever. But seriously, from start to finish, from the moment James Harden enters Scotiabank Arena t- tonight, the Raptors double-teamed him. And um, it was it was very aggressive. Like, James Harden talked about it uh, early in the season about how he's never seen anybody defend him any team defend any other player like the way teams are guarding him this year. And, and honestly, I kind of agree, man. I've actually never seen a guy where the Raptors, not only did it have like a guy like OJ and Obi, for the most part, pick him up full court, um, but as soon as he crossed half, the Raptors would send a double team. And every single time, it was Fred Van Vliet or whoever was on the floor, usually the point guard, will come over, help, trap Harden, and force him to give up the ball. And we're talking about like near half court, uh, in the middle of the floor, on the sideline, everything. Like, there was just indiscriminate. No matter where he is in the building, we're going to double-team him. And, uh, you know, when you play a high-risk strategy like that, it, it's – I mean, first off, it's inherently a little bit like um, a losing strategy in the sense that you already know the other team is too dangerous. We have to do this to try to beat them. You have to kind of gamble. You have to kind of do all these things, which, again – you can't criticize Nick Nurse for it because this is something he's done very well. But having said that, this is kind of a losing strategy where you're like, hey, we, we can't defend this guy straight up. We're not even going to try to defend him straight up. It wasn't like the Raptors guarded Harden straight up and he killed them early on. They're like, all right, time out. Let's go, let's go to this other strategy. It was from the jump Nick Nurse decided we are going to send both our guards at uh, at Harden. And, you know, it was, it was just uh, – it was a strategy. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. The Raptors stuck to the strategy all game. Like, they did not waver. Maybe at the very last four minutes of the game, the, the Raptors went more towards uh, single coverage because they kind of had to. But, uh, you know, the, the Raptors just double teamed them. And the result of this was that Harden gave the ball very quickly. And um, the Rockets sort of had to figure out how to play four on three with any sort of consistency. And um, in this case, 
you know, they had success in the sense that Russell Westbrook shot 7 of 27 from the field with eight turnovers. Like, yeah, he had a triple-double, and yeah, he had, like, this game-winning layup at the end. Well, not even game-winning, game-sealing, and he flexed to the crowd and, you know, whatever. Um, but at the same time, like, the man shot 7 of 27 from the field and the eight turnovers. So usually when it was Westbrook making the decision and the decision was not to uh, pass the ball, it was a win for the defense. And the Raptors, if they had... I don't know if Westbrook took 37 shots tonight, which honestly with the way they were guarding Harden, Westbrook was open every time he could have. The Raptors probably win this game. But, you know, where the Raptors got hurt is in two areas. One, they gave up a lot of wide-open corner threes. And um, the Rockets have some pretty good corner three-point shooters. In fact, the Rockets' entire defensive or offensive um, lineup is basically there to allow Harden to play one-on-one because everyone else can, you know, with the exception of Westbrook and, you know, Capella, uh, those guys can all shoot the three, like everybody in the lineup, right? So, um, yeah, the Raptors doubling meant that the Rockets were able to pass and just find open shooters, and usually those open corner shooters, and, man, they were just lights out. I mean, okay, whatever, you're leaving them wide open, so you kind of expect them to knock it down, but, you know, in the end, the Rockets shot 22 of 55 from three-point line. First off, take that in. The Rockets shot 55 three-pointers. And you got guys like Ben McLemore, who shot 8 of 17 from 3. Ben McLemore, who was a free agent. The Raptors wanted to sign him with a 10-day last year, and apparently it was un- not a lot under the cap. So that got, that got waved off. But, like, the man shot 8 of 17 from 3. P.J. Tucker is a really good corner 3-point shooter. He's actually the most prolific in the league, uh, just in terms of attempts and also a free throw uh, or, or percentage. And P.J. Tucker shot 5 of 10 from 3. You got Austin Rivers shooting 3 of 8 from 3. Daniel House shot 3 of 8 from 3. He was impossible to guard in the first half, apparently. Daniel House was just making everything. Uh, He calmed down the second half. But McLemore was definitely hot throughout. And, you know, it's just, yeah, when you play the strategy, you're going to give up open threes. So that that hurt the Raptors. And also, uh, when you're playing sort of 4 on 3 with 2 guys on Harden and 3 guys guarding the other 4, the Raptors were just shorthanded defensively in terms of just rebounding. And the Rockets were able to grab 20 offensive rebounds. Uh, and that honestly was a huge, huge part in why the Rockets won this game. If the Rockets, if the, or if the Raptors were able to secure the defensive rebound, um, and you know maybe grab even, you know allow them to have fifteen offensive rebounds, the Raptors probably win this game because the, the Rockets were able to capitalize a lot just on grabbing misses. They were shooting a lot of threes, so the rebounds went long. The, a lot of them went, fell into that sort of mid-range area where, you know, even if you box a guy out, uh, you know, there's still a real chance because they have outside position. And they were able to come up with a loose ball. And also, like, straight up, like, they're just more athletic. Like, Westbrook is a – like, the way he benefited this game was that he had uh, five offensive rebounds. And Capella had nine offensive rebounds. On one play, I think he had, like, four straight against Serge Ibaka, and he just wasn't doing anything to rebound the basketball. Um, But, you know, you can also understand because oftentimes, because of the way the defensive strategy was played, you have guys like – uh, you know, Pascal Siakam having to cover two guys, one guy in the corner, one guy on the wing, and they're just passing it back and forth, making Pascal scramble back and forth. And then eventually a shot goes up, and then all of a sudden just, the expectation is also for Pascal to then grab the rebound because you know guys like Marcus Stahl aren't prolific defensive rebounders. They'll box out, but they won't actually grab the miss themselves. And Serge Ibaka was, tonight was just honestly a little comically bad in terms of how bad he was at rebounding. And so... You know, the 22 three-pointers coupled with the 20 offensive rebounds really just killed the Raptors. In, in a night where defensively they were okay. Like, they, you know, they, they I, I think they kind of – obviously Nick Nurse wanted to limit Harden, and for the most part they did. Harden only shot the ball 11 times. That's a win for your defense. Um, 
But the cost of it was that everyone else was wide open all the time, and the Raptors couldn't were out of positions for rebounds. Uh, and you know, Nick Nurse basically, you know, again, like I said out top, he played a high risk, high reward strategy, and it came back to burn him tonight. And really, my only issue with it is just. You know, I don't care that you got to come up with a new scheme to beat Harden. Like every coach in the NBA is doing that, basically. Like they're doing, they're trying everything. Like guys are guarding him from behind. Um, they're triple teaming him. And they're just letting him go one on one and freezing everyone else out. Not nothing is working. So Nick Nurse is no no exception in this case. He tried something. It was bold. It did not work. But at the same time, it is also kind of a losing strategy, right? Because I, I kind of look at this game through the lens of a guy like uh, OJ Anobi, who got assigned to cover Harden. Now, granted. Uh, Harden has gotten a lot better since 2017, but I remember OJ Anobi's breakout performance. You know, in his first start in the NBA as a rookie, he guards James Harden. He holds him to like nine of 25 shooting, I think, with like 13 turnovers. One of those classic Harden meltdown games. And you know, I'm not sure Harden was as focused in this game, in that game, as he was tonight. And like I said, he's improved a lot as a player. I think he's like legitimately an MVP guy now all the time. Uh, but, you know, OG did a really good job defending Harden. And today, OG didn't even get a chance to really defend Harden because it was just one-on-one. Or sorry, it was two-on-one all the time. Always a double team. Like, OG didn't really even have that much of an impact defensively because he was just there to keep his arms up and try to make passes difficult for Harden, which, I don't know, man. Harden's a really good passer. I think he can pass through most of those things. So, you know, you, you look at a situation like OG, you're basically telling OG, you cannot guard Harden. I'm not even going to let you get the chance. Um... And that sucks. And also, OG got, you know, left on the bench, like, for the second straight game. Uh, you know, against the Heat, Norm Powell got to close the game. He got to play overtime. And today, OG didn't even do anything bad. He didn't do anything wrong. He was fine offensively. He's making, you know, the right passes. He, you know, missed a couple of shots here and there. But, you know, again, he just didn't get to close the game. Even a guy like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson got closing time over OG Anobi. And it's just strange. It's curious because, like, what did OG do to warrant losing time? And this is where, especially if you lose, you make a play like that and you win, fine, whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, if you make, like, a decision like that and you lose, and that's two games in a row, you I mean, if I'm OG, I'd probably be like, yo, what's going on? I've played pretty well this season. I haven't done anything to lose any minutes. But all of a sudden, I can't be on the floor to close games. And, you know, from Nick's perspective, it's tough because the guy he's basically closing games ahead of him now is Norman Powell, who has been pretty good offensively the last two games. Like, Norm made a huge push, just like he did against the Heat in the fourth quarter tonight. He got to the rim a couple of times, was slashing, very aggressive, very athletic in transition, and was able to get a couple shots off that uh, that, that just kept the Raptors' offense steady. So that's cool. That's good. And he deserved to you know close the game. But also, when you have Kyle back in the lineup, and now you have Fred in the backcourt as well, those two guys are on the floor as well. So someone just has to be the odd man out, and apparently it's OG. And, you know, I, it just kind of sucks. Like, this is not a very empowering game for OG from his perspective because he wasn't allowed to even try to guard Harden. And, you know, it just wasn't a – it just it just wasn't the greatest uh, – I don't know. I just wouldn't feel that great if I were OG in this situation. But having said that, you know, it's about the team, so uh, whatever. Uh, in terms of, you know, the other other things from this game, I mean, like, really it just came down to just how the uh, the team was going to, you know, guard James Harden. That was the whole story. And that's really the story in every single Rockets game. It was kind of unwatchable in a way just because, like, man – you know, it's just so many three-pointers. There's no flow to the game whatsoever. And, you know, really, I guess my beef with the game is really offensively. So, 
the Rockets play this defense where they switch a lot, right? Uh, they're really willing to switch, and so it's hard to play the Raptors' usual offense against them because you know you you run you, you run your sets, you're flowing, whatever, you're moving from side to side. That's all good, but basically, basically all the off-ball stuff is neutralized because the Rockets are just switching everything. So you don't really have uh, a guy coming to the lane, for example. Like for example, you know the Raptors score. I don't know, five, six baskets a game with just Marcus All at the elbow and then two guys, you know, splitting off each other, one cutting towards the rim, one flare on the three point line. And when people are scrambling, the defense usually will allow a small sliver and Marcus is a really good passer and he'll deliver a ball inside and someone will finish. That just didn't happen today because the Rockets were just like, All right, you want to split? That's fine. Let's just switch the whole thing. Everyone's in position, everyone's there. So okay, fine. You 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 play the Rockets were also playing a high risk defense in a way. But the Raptors star Right, the Raptors, James Harden, in, in 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 the sense that Pascal Siakam is the Raptors, you know, leading guy. He just didn't take enough advantage of the way the Rockets were playing defensively. You know, where, whereas Harden was able to consistently deliver, you know, opportunities for for the uh, the Rockets just by even giving up the ball and demanding so much attention. Pascal was given very little defensive attention. A lot of times he was getting guarded by their point guards, like you know, Austin Rivers kept ending up on him, Westbrook kept ending up on him, and pa- Pascal was just tentative. He was just, he was tentative. Like, if you look at the box score, he shot 22 times in 36 minutes, which seems high. But at the same time, let me ask you a question. How many times did James Harden shoot the ball in 36 minutes if the Raptors were consistently guarding him with Fred Van Vliet in isolation? This man would shoot like 40 times, right? And Pascal, this guy just, he was passing him a lot of shots. Now, granted, he had moments, he had spurts where he was really aggressive. He was making a lot of moves. He was going in the post. He was going, he's getting fouled. He was going, you know, up for layups, and and honestly, it was good. It was he was doing the right thing. It just wasn't enough, and you know, I don't know if it was fatigue because he did play thirty six minutes to get a pretty long rest. He did have a play where he came down and was a little slow, didn't get back in transition. Maybe that was something there. Maybe he got he picked up a a small you know a knock or whatever. But like, I don't know, man. It just it wasn't a very. Uh, it just it felt like Pascal left something on the table, and it was kind of similar to that Heat game. It felt like he left something on the, the table on that Heat game. That game, he just completely disappeared tonight. In the fourth quarter, honestly, it was kind of repeated the Heat game. You know, and Pascal said after the Heat game, he's very smart to point out and very uh, humble to point out, like, yeah, I'm too important. I'm one of the leaders on the team. I got to step up. I got to assert myself, you know, late in games. I can't just, like, take a, a seat back. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. The man looked like a passenger tonight again. You know? It, it, you know, and you know, it, it's just... I don't know. It's, it's all part of the growing process. That's the thing. You got to keep perspective on the whole thing. I mean, Pascal still had twenty four points and nine rebounds with two assists and two steals and a block. It's fine. And also, in all fairness to Pascal, they were making this man do a lot. Like again, like I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of plays where it was just Pascal guarding one guy in the corner and one guy on the wing, and he's just constantly have to like basically run suicides between the two guys. And then you know contest a shot. Then sometimes he has to go rebound the shot. Sometimes he has to go you know provide help and block Westbrook. It was a very exhausting game for Pascal. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time. If the Raptors were going to beat a switching team, a switching defense like the Rockets, they needed their guys to be able to attack mismatches and, you know, force the Rockets to change the way they play defense. And, you know, Pascal never did that. Pascal scored, sure, but if you told the Rockets, hey, he's going to have 24 points on 22 shots in 36 minutes, they'd be like, fine, we'll take it. You know, we'll use that to neutralize guys like, you know, Kyle or Fred. And and Kyle and Fred were actually pretty good today. They were really opportunistic. They attacked the mismatches that they had, but Pascal kind of didn't do that. And it was just, you know, it was frustrating to watch. So I honestly think all these things are learning experiences for Pascal. Like his his season 
his first season as a number one guy was never going to be easy. Never, never going to be easy. It's a big, big leap to take. Not even just in terms of, like, the skill you need to have to do it, but, like, the mentality and, like, the energy you need to have. You need to have um, – you need to just sustain throughout the, the entire thing. You cannot ever take a step back. You just have to – every single day, you need to come in every game and be assertive. And are, are there are games where everyone else is hot and you can play as a team and you can take those nights off. There are games where the other team is just the Knicks or they're the Magic or there's some garbage-ass team like the, the Hawks. Fine. Those, those other teams, your, your guys can step up for you. You can chill. Those are the times you can get your rest. But in games like this against the Rockets, in games like you know against the Bucks, a games like against the Clippers, in games like against the Mavericks, in games like against the Rockets or the Heat, you got to step up and be the number one guy. And when times get tough, you cannot run from it. You have to make yourself the focal point. And I don't think he has done that yet. So there's a lot to grow. There's a lot to learn from, you know. And, you know, if he can't do it, then he is a true number one guy. If he can't do it, then you really got to figure some things out. And I'm not trying to be hard on the guy because, like, yo, we're getting too greedy. We're expecting this guy to win most improve every year, get into the MVP conversation, whatever. And, yeah, there's a seat at the table for him for sure, especially if the Raptors are winning and he's the number one guy. But also, there's a difference between you getting big numbers. There's, like, you know, like, no disrespect to DeMar DeRozan. There's a difference between DeMar DeRozan and, and, and Kawhi Leonard. And truthfully speaking, you know, DeMar DeRozan also had a lot of moments in the regular season where he took into difficult games and he stepped up. So um, I'm not saying it's beyond Pascal. I'm not saying that at all. Again, this is, like, game 21 of him being the number one guy. It's, it's a lot to ask for. But uh, it felt like today, for example, he just – you kind of needed more from him. And it, it just – it wasn't uh, – it wasn't there. I spoke about the OG thing. It was a little awkward. They only played 24 minutes. I wonder, honestly, this is just purely speculation. Like, if in order to sell Norm on his role of the, uh, coming out the bench, if you have to kind of maybe must give him something and throw him a bone or something. But we'll see. That's something to, to, to monitor. Again, that's just purely speculative. I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, like, Powell and uh, OG, like, What's the situation? Maybe it's just an offense-defense thing. Maybe it's just straight up like that. And the Raptors, you know, to Nurse's uh, credit, they were trailing against the Rockets, and they were trailing, you know, to the Heat as well. So maybe it's just, yeah, you just got to, I don't know, get the guy who scored better, and that's just a coaching decision and has nothing to do with anything else. But that was a little odd. Uh, Rondé, I thought, you know, him getting 11 minutes was also a little odd. That also kind of eats into OG's time. Surge, oh man, Surge is bad tonight, man. Surge is real bad. Minus nineteen and seventeen minutes for Surge, very accurate. Uh, you kind of needed a game like, if, like, you know, Surge has those games where he's energetic, he's assertive, and he's making plays and he's playing instinctually, and he wins a lot of those games for you. Um, and I thought this was an opportunity to do that, especially at home against the Rockets team. Their bench is not very good. They don't even have a center off the bench. They just kind of go super small. And Surges was unable to do that. I mean, like, he took a lot of bad shots. It screwed up the floor balance. The Rockets were able to go the other way. And, you know, it's really just anything more than anything else. There's a couple times he didn't close out of the corner. Uh, and more than anything else, it's just a defensive rebound. And he was too weak in that front. And he needed to be better there. He needed to play with more energy. And it's something like Surge never really got into a rhythm. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the positives, I mean, like Fred and Kyle, you know, I thought they were very aggressive in terms of how they uh, attacked the defense. Um, Kyle got 19 points in, uh, you know, and while only taking eight field goals. Uh, he got to the line for six free throws, you know, a couple of flops here and there. But 
you know, the, the refs also erased a three-point shot that he clearly made, but they denied continuation. So, okay, so, you know, you give and take there. But, like, still, 19 points in uh, – while only taking eight shots is really nice with eight assists. You know, Fred, 20 points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals, seven of 13 from the field. Uh, did a really good job of sending help and just executing the game plan. And it's not necessarily his fault that, uh, you know, the rest of the – or the Rockets were able to capitalize. But it's just, you know, it was a tough night. It was a tough situation. Um, you know, it, it's just—I don't know, man. It's just frustrating to watch the Rockets games. Uh, it, you know, a lot of these games are just difficult. They're just difficult to watch, um, and and a lot of them is just like it's just a flow, really, right? Like uh, today, for example, the Rockets are actually forcing the passing the ball a lot. They're usually a team that does not pass the ball much, but because of the way the Raptors play defense, kind of force them to pass the ball. So that's a little, a little better. But there's just no flow to these games. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it kind of bogs now. There's, there's not even that much free throws today because Harden wasn't able to really flop that much to get to uh, his foul calls. I mean, uh, there was one play where Norman Powell fouled him, which was like a step back on the logo and – Norm kind of got a little undisciplined. But, I mean, like, that was a foul. Like, he did touch him on the arm. Like, you didn't – no one forced you to foul him there. So, I, I don't know. But uh, it, it's – yeah, the Rockets are one of my least favorite teams to watch, generally speaking. So, maybe I'm just a little biased. I probably am a little bit biased. But, uh, yeah, this was uh, not an enjoyable game as a Raptors fan. But, you know, you just got to kind of take a step back sometimes and take a look at the bigger picture. And usually I would be positive about this because, like, uh, uh, you know, they're, what – 15 and 6 overall, that's better than anyone thought they would be doing at this point in the season. But having said that, you also have to, you can't ignore the reality that they're 3 and 6 against teams above 500. Now, is that an entirely fair stat right now? Not really, because they played a lot of those games on the road. They played Boston on the road, Milwaukee on the road, you know, Clippers, second night of back to back on the road, after being the Lakers, by the way, uh, the Mavericks on the last night of a five game road trip, whatever. You know, like these are tough games, but also at the same time, Three and six is three and six, you know? Like, that Laker game, for example, did that win say the Raptors are better than the Lakers? I don't know. Not necessarily. I think the Lakers are kind of caught off guard with a new, uh, you know, roster in the Raptors. They play the Raptors play a lot of unorthodox, you know, schemes. And, of course, people stepped up. I don't want to take anything away from the loss. But I'm just saying, you play that game many times, and I think, you know, like, let's say the Raptors put the Lakers in a seven-game series. I think the Lakers probably just beat the Raptors straight up, right? Like, I don't think that's being negative. I think that's just being realistic about, you know, the talent on both teams. Um, and even if you look at a game like the Sixers, right? Like, I mean, it was – uh, the Sixers are good. They have talent. But, like, also at the same time, like, I just saw the Wizards beat the Sixers. You know, the Sixers kind of out of funk right now. So, you know, maybe that was not necessarily as substantive of a win. And, you know, again, that's not fair to the Raptors too because I can nitpick these two losses, for example, to the Rockets or the Heat because it's like the Raptors are introducing new guys back into the rotation and those are both very close games and they lost at the very end. But if I have to say anything about the 3-6 and six, um, record, I would say against 500, I would say really the one thing that I would take away from that is that the Raptors' crunch time offense, especially when games get tough, has not been, it's not been, uh, has not been great. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure if that's just maybe an overreaction to the last two games, but Pascal, he is a focal point in the th- first three and a half quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, at the very end, against the top teams. I saw him, I mean, like, here's the thing. I saw him doing it against Orlando. I saw him doing it against the Pelicans, you know, a couple other teams. Yeah, he can do that against some of those teams. But against the toughest teams, like the Rockets and the Heat and a couple others, the Bucks, 
was Siakam the guy that was able, you can consistently run the offense through? And was he even willing to even accept the ball? That, to me, is a bit of a concern, right? And these are things that you can work on because, you know, in losses you can learn a lot more about your team than in wins. And I think the Raptors can learn a lot about who they are um, and what they need to work on. But, uh, it, look, it was a frustrating game. It was a close game. The Raptors fought. Uh, you know, and it's just um, it just is what it is. It just is what it is. You know, I think the Rockets played better tonight. The Raptors kind of played uh, a basically gamble to even try to be in the game, and it almost, almost paid off. But, you know, ultimately, you play a strategy like that, you're basically admitting the other team's better than you, and um, the Rockets ultimately came in with a win. So uh, kudos to them. Uh, man, in terms of your KFC bucket of the game, this is very tough. This is very tough to come up with. Uh, because honestly, there was not that many stretches of great offense for the Raptors. Um, you know, th- there was still 27 assists, but they felt like the ball movement wasn't entirely there. Uh, you know, based on the way the Rockets played defense, and so if I had to give a KFC bucket of the game, I'd probably honestly give it to Westbrook to the very end. You know, like uh, I think the Rockets were up eight with like a minute plus to go. Uh, they had just won this uh, decision on a review where it turned out Fred VanVleet kicked his leg out. To uh to draw a three point foul on uh what's his name Austin Rivers and so that was a big review and then the goal the other way and then I think Westbrook on that possession he he gets the ball again because the Raptors trap Harden and uh, he sizes up the defense and he drives and he and he scores a layup over Marcus Hall and he flexes at the crowd which again it was funny to, because everyone was mad and like you're seven to twenty seven with eight turnovers you you shouldn't get to uh you know flex and whatever but also at the same time man like. It's a great basket. He, you know, it's a very athletic play, and uh, you know the emotion of the game. It was a tough game. They won on the road. It's a, it's a good win for them. It's a big bucket. So there you go. That's your KFC play of the game. Uh, in terms of your three stars, um, you know, I don't really even know between like one of the two point guards. Like I thought Kyle was really good. Um, uh, you know. But you can honestly easily give it to Fred as well because yeah, I thought Fred had more defensive responsibility. Um, I guess I'll give it to Kyle. I'll give it to Kyle. 19 points, you know, eight assists, five rebounds in 42 minutes, five of eight shooting from the field, very, very, very efficient. Three of five from uh, the three-point arc, you know, 66 from the free throw line. Also had to make a number of very, very important um, defensive stops in terms of just like uh, – I would yeah he flopped he had two successful flops that were able to go the referees now the reason I hesitate also a little bit is because I'm also remembering the fourth quarter that Fred uh, Kyle had two uh, bad turnovers um, one where he drove at the defense and kind of careened into the defender was begging for a call and he didn't get it and he threw a wild pass that um, led to a turnover and the Rockets able to score in transition I think he got a three out of it so that that was tough. And then in the uh, while the Raptors were trying to make the push towards the end, Kyle threw this cross court pass, you know, hit ahead in transition, and um, the Rockets were able to pick that off too. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? I, I mean, I, I guess it was a difficult game, and Kyle ultimately, you know, on the whole, they still he still played pretty well. So let's give Kyle his credit. Uh, Nineteen points is still uh, quite a good number, and uh, so he gets the first star. Kyle, uh, Fred VanVleet, I'm giving him the second star. Twenty points, six rebounds. Five assists, three steals, a block. I mean, you know, Fred also made some uh, poor decisions as a point guard. But, you know, this is a game where you know, the Rockets really dare you to beat them one-on-one and make plays. And uh, Fred at least made enough plays um, going to the basket, you know, making some tough layups, you know, hitting some threes, uh, 
uh, distribution was there for him too. So, you know, that was all right. And then third star, I mean, I guess I'll give it to Norm. Honestly, I it's the thing. Pascal deserves it, I guess, but also like Norm played really well. Honestly, you know what? Square. I'll give it to Marcus All. Five points in twenty nine minutes, six rebounds, five assists, four steals, two blocks. Was really good defensively down low against uh, Clint Capella. Took him out of the game entirely. Uh, and, you know, obviously Capella got a couple of re- offensive, offensive rebounds. Oh, that's okay. But, uh, honestly, every time he went up against Gasol, Gasol was able to swat it out of his hands and stop him. So, uh, I guess I'll give it to uh, to Mark Gasol. Because, you know, he was one of the few players on the night with a positive plus minus. Uh, and he was significantly better than Serge Ibaka. So, I'll give it to, to Mark. But it's a tough night. Uh, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, that's got to be Ben McLemore. Uh, again, this man had 28 points in 29 minutes. Shot 8 of 17 from three, shot multiple arrows at the Raptors bench, which is kind of funny, honestly. Um, but yeah, wow, what what a, what a night from Ben McLemore, who led the team in scoring, he led all the players in the, in, in the game in scoring. You know, you got Pascal, you got Kyle, you got Fred, you got uh, James Harden, you got Russell Westbrook in the game, and all of a sudden it's Ben McLemore who leads the team in scoring. That's uh, that's that's hilarious. Um, and then in terms of your Pat Patterson award. Uh, I got to get that to Serge, man. Not a good game from Serge. Yes, he got 10 points and 5 rebounds and 2 assists in 17 minutes. It's not necessarily bad production, but you go back and watch some of the shots he missed, some of the rebounds he failed to get, some of the defensive stops he failed to get. He was a minus 19 in 17 minutes, and that's not an aberration. That's just he was bad. He was bad in those moments. So it's a tough game. The Raptors, you know, lose two in a row for the first time this season. Uh, They got to not necessarily regroup, but like, you know, just figure out a couple of things. I think in these losses, it reveals who you are, what you got to work on. And um, Raptors are not a perfect team. I don't think anyone's expecting them to. So, you know, it just is what it is. Uh, they lost the game against a team that probably is better than them. The Rockets are pretty damn good. James Harden is probably the favorite to win MVP. Um, unless, you know, Giannis takes it from him again. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know. These are there are some questions you got to ask, but uh, it's also game twenty one of the season, so you have a lot of time to answer those questions. So, thanks for for listening. If you haven't already, uh, go listen to the uh, interview that I did with Jack Armstrong, Raptors broadcasting legend Jack Armstrong, um, that I recorded before the Rockets game. That's on the Raptors Over Everything podcast feed. Listen to that. I, I think it was a very good interview. Uh, and, you know, Jack is definitely worth listening to. We got into, you know, his thoughts on the Raptors, you know, his thoughts on Nick Nurse, Fred Van Vliet, you know, Mark Gasol, but also, um, you know, his career. And he's had, what, 22 years now calling Raptors games. A lot of stories there about guys like, you know, himself, Matt Devlin, uh, Chuck Swirsky. And also, we got into, you know, just some of his uh, wisdom on life in general. So definitely check that out. Um, but for now, thanks everyone for listening, and I'll be back on Sunday when the Raptors play the Sixers. Man, the schedule is tough right now. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello Fresh. 